You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. This is a weird and wonderful text that we have in front of us this morning. And there's far more to this text than what we first see on the surface. We do have a focus this morning, and we'll get there, uh, but I don't want us to miss out on a lot of what this text has to offer to us. And it's all going to revolve around one word in that very first verse, revealed. And in the context of our passage this morning, this is not just something so simple as Jesus showed up on the beach. Now, reveal here carries a heavy load. It means that Jesus showed up in his very presence. The fact that he was physically present, the fact that he was there with his disciples, gifted and supported faith to them once again. Work with me now. Last week, Jesus' physical presence gave faith to the disciples, even in the midst of their fear, their disorientation, and their doubt. His wounds, his, his scars, were a good evidence for who he was. But as always, it was Jesus' spoken word that did the work of returning faith and hope to his disciples. What else did Jesus do with this word of his last week? Well, he spoke peace to his disciples and gave them that gift of peace by forgiving them and also by giving them the ability to share that same forgiveness freely with others. Now, this week, we want to see that Jesus reveals himself uh, in forgiving you, restoring you, and setting you free. All right? But there's a couple other things that I, I want you to hear and see as we walk through the text this morning. Other things that Jesus is revealing or showing to us this morning. First of all, he's going to reveal himself as creator and as having authority over that creation. Not only that, but that, that same creative word that said, let there be light, that same creative word creates peace and forgiveness like we saw last week. That, that same creative word creates faith, like we saw last week. And, and today, we get to see that creative word of Christ make a new and restored Peter. A new and restored you. A second thing that I want us to see Jesus revealing himself as this week, this one's a bit more complex, okay? But hang with me. Um, Jesus reveals himself as the conqueror of the Leviathan. Okay, This is coming a little bit out of left field, so, so <laughs> hang tight. What is a Leviathan? No one knows what a Leviathan is, okay? But it's a really big sea creature. We read about it in Genesis, we read about it in Job, we read about it in the Psalms. And um, it, it is said in Psalm chapter 74, or chapter in Psalm 74, verses 12 to 14, 
Yet God, my King, is from old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your might. You broke the heads of the sea monsters on the waters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. All right. We have in here, uh, in the language of John chapter 21 and in the language of Psalm 74, some echoing that's taking place. It's hard to see in the English, but it is there. And so this large catch of fish that Jesus has gathered up for his disciples is meant to be a bit of a, a picture of Jesus' conquering the sea life. Okay? And not only that, but he's providing it as food for those who are following him, his disciples. And then lastly, this one's not nearly so abstract. Jesus reveals himself as our shepherd and Peter as the beginning of his under shepherds. But what's our big idea for this week? Jesus forgives you, restores you, and sets you free. Jesus forgives you, restores you, and sets you free. We're going to walk through this text this morning because there's so much in here. Um, and here's, here's one of the beautiful things about all the Gospels. About John's Gospel, though, in particular. Uh, he puts in details. And these details probably are unnecessary for us to know. Okay? But why would he put in some of these details? Well, okay, one of the reasons why John does this, is it God's inspired word? Yes, it is. And so he's writing down what it is that the Lord has given to him to say through the Holy Spirit. That is true. And yet, here's another thing that these little details do for us. One, it tells us that this is not just some random holy book that dropped down or was carried by angels and delivered to someone to be full of spiritual advice. Like, say, the Quran or the Book of Mormon. Also, it is to tell us that this is not just some book of wisdom that you can pull out all kinds of spiritual principles from. Like, say, the Bhagavad Gita. This is something wholly unique that God has given to us in His Word. And, and so there might be a reason why there's 153 fish. But the fact that we need to know that there's 153 fish, why would this be? Look, John is, is like, is, he's telling us, I was there. I was there when this happened. And, and you know, Peter, he's kind of a knucklehead. We all love him, but he's kind of a knucklehead. He jumped out of the boat, this guy. Not only that, but he had like his swimming nappy on. For work, okay? Uh, he had like a loincloth on. In the text, in the Greek, it actually says that Peter was naked. Don't worry. Uh, that would lead to awful sunburn. They're not out there naked. Uh, they have like loincloths on, like a swimming costume, okay? And yet, here's what Peter does. He puts his outer garments on to go for a swim. Why does John give us this detail? Because it's kind of a crazy detail, there might be some significance to it. We could say that, ah, oh, but 
Peter has been dressed once again in the righteousness of Christ, and this is why his robes are going on. I don't think that Peter probably was thinking that deeply about it. It's possible that symbolism is... Look, the symbolism's there. Take it. Take it. It's a good teaching tool. But the reality is, do you know how long it would have taken Peter's outer garments to dry out on that beach? That would have been... uh, uh, he doesn't have like fleece or something like we do today. This is this this is crazy of him to do this. So there's lots of tiny little details, or the fact that John goes through in these first three verses and and lists off all the disciples, kind of. He's like, and and there were two more of them. We know which disciples are there. They've been together this whole time, and yet John doesn't take the time to just say, oh, and this one and this one. He says, oh yeah, there were two more. They were there too. Why does John do that? I don't know why John does that. But it's all the beautiful little details of John's gospel and in this story in particular that that give um, uh, (laughs) give us something special in God's Word. There in verse uh, 3 of John chapter 21, we see Simon Peter saying to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will come with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but they caught nothing. This is hard. At least four of these guys were professional fishermen at some point, right? (laughs) And not only that, they've been with Jesus this whole time. That's kind of come to an end, right? I mean, Jesus gave them forgiveness to go and share it with other people. And yet, he hasn't really sent them out on any kind of mission yet. He's just given it to them. They have been set free to do what? Well, like most of us have been set free to do, we have been set free by Christ from our sins, uh, not only to spend eternity with Him, but to go back out into the world in the callings, the vocations, the work that God has given for us to do, simply to go and be Christians with God's Word of forgiveness there for other people. And so... You could look at this and say, well, see, they gave up on Jesus again. They're going back fishing. I I don't think that's what's happening here. I think what we're seeing here is actually a very legitimate and good response from Peter and the disciples to say, well, we've got this. Uh, We're also hungry. And we know only one thing. We only know one thing how to do. How to follow this, this, this teacher Jesus, our Savior, and how to fish. And he keeps going away and coming back. So let's go fishing. Totally legitimate response from Peter and the disciples. What's not totally good, though, is the fact that they catch nothing. Um, I'm sure that we've all experienced this in some way or another. It, it could be something small. Like, let's just say, for instance, I grew up eating pasta, right? My mom made pasta all the time. Um, she might be listening to this at some point. And so, was my mom an expert chef? Yes. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. Okay. <laughs> she, did she? Did I enjoy the food too much? Right. I was a teenage boy. Of course, I enjoyed the food. Give me whatever it is. But then I remember one time I went to this actual Italian-styled restaurant, right, and had real pasta. And at that moment, I said to myself. I can never go back, right? I can never go back. And then 
you know, let's say I go to make that meal at home and I don't have all the ingredients and it's just, what am I, what am I doing? What, why am I even trying? Why am I even trying? Or, or maybe it is genuinely like, um, you know, my dad, he, he worked on cars for, I don't know, 30 years of his life. Now, he never liked doing this. And in fact, I bet if you were to give him a spanner and ask him to help you with the car, he would do it, but he would be rusty, okay? He would have to knock off a bit of that rust before he remembered how to work on that car well. Why? Because it was never a real passion of his. He did it for me, for our family. All right, so why am I saying all this? Look, can you imagine for Peter and Andrew and James and John in particular, for them to go back fishing only to be denied fish, right? They stayed out there, what, all evening? And they caught nothing? You would be discouraged by this. You would be... Basically, there's a message in this to the disciples. Well, I guess this part of our life's over. We can't even catch fish. But then what happens? Just as day was breaking, this is going to come in very important for us a bit later. So at dawn, just as day was breaking, the sun's coming up, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, sorry, he was yelling because they're a hundred meters out. Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast out the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now this is going to be very suspicious to Peter. Because he has heard someone tell him this before at another point in his life. And once again, at another point in his life, there was a massive load of a payday of fish caught. Right? So what does Peter do? And the disciples, they throw that net over because there's something to this guy on the beach. They don't know that it's Jesus yet. They're too far away. Maybe it's still a little too dark. But they do it. And so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. I also go back to Isaiah chapter 60 in this one. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and His glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. You shall see and be radiant. Your heart will thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Do you remember what Jesus told Peter the last time he caught that payday of fish? He said, I will make you fishers of men. Interestingly enough, in John's Gospel in particular, and in Luke's Gospel, these fish that are always being caught, it sounds strange, but it's almost always in some way related to the Gentiles. Okay? And here, in, in Isaiah's text, this is what we're reading about too. This wealth of the nations. These, these are people. 
These are people coming in from every nation, tribe, and telling that group of people that we heard about in Revelation chapter 5 this morning that are coming from everywhere, being welcomed in. This large load of fish is like a picture of that to us. And yet also, just very simply, these fish, this is the abundance of the sea. This is the blessing of God's um, final days, as it were. And Peter and all the rest of the apostles are there to see this happening. Starting in verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, who's that disciple that Jesus loved? That's John. John almost always refers himself refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, now, you know, I think there is another reason why John does that. He's not just doing it to be cheeky with us, the reader. I think he actually wants you, the reader, to put yourself in his shoes. He's saying, that's you. That disciple that Jesus loved, that's you. When Simon people... Okay, and he said, it is the Lord. Also, there's always this competition between John and Peter. And John makes a point of saying, well, I made it to the tomb before Peter because I was faster. That's what he says at Jesus' resurrection. And now here, who, who notices that it's Jesus first? John does, right? But in Peter's zealousness, John's going to give him something. What does Peter do? He jumps out of the boat. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Uh, now, I think there's a triathlon taking place in town today, and I look, it's like 150 meters uh, in the ocean. I'm not swimming that. Okay, I'm not swimming that. Peter, on the other hand, swims 100 meters to shore to go and see Jesus. Granted, he does leave all of his friends out there hauling in this massive load of fish, uh, but it would take me 20 minutes to swim that far because I'd be doggy paddling, I'd be laying on my back trying to be buoyant. Eventually, I would make it to the shore. Peter makes it, okay? He makes it. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred meters off. That sounds pretty far to me. Um, and, and, and then what happens? When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. <laughs> All right. So Jesus gives them this, this payload of fish, another huge monetary, like this could be a huge payday for them, okay? And yet, um, they're, they're there probably to eat too. And Jesus gives them all this fish, but what did Jesus already have on the shore? Jesus already had fish waiting for them. Okay, Jesus is already there prepared a meal for them to come and enjoy with him. And not only that, it's a strange word for fish that John's using here. It, it's almost, it, it's like a relish. Sounds kind of gross to me, but that's fine. Um, it, basically, I think what picture John is painting for us here is that he's actually got a full meal. There's bread, there's cooked fish, there's even toppings for the bread and the cooked fish. Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, 
uh, you'll notice there, uh, they don't lose a one that the Lord has given to them. Uh, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. We saw this in Luke chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus when Jesus sits down to have a meal with his disciples. How do they know for sure that it's him? They know for sure because he he breaks the bread and he gives them the fish. And this is what Jesus is doing for them too. He's laying out a table for them. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now again, this revealed word here isn't just Jesus shows up and makes breakfast for you. It's that he is here and his very presence is supporting, strengthening, and gifting faith to you. Now when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, this whole thing gets confusing because John doesn't use names. He just says he, 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 he. But what happens? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? (laughs) Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend to my sheep, right? Uh, And then finally, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Why this? Why this repetition of three? What's going on here? Now, you might remember last week, Peter was hiding up in a room with the rest of the disciples for fear that he too would die because of his relationship with Jesus. It's actually the second time, uh, if you wanted to put it like this, Peter has tried to distance himself with the reputation of Jesus, right? In fact, he did it three times previous. And, And it was this third time when Peter is being backed into a corner by a crowd that's getting ready to crucify his Lord and his Savior, right? And he's backed up next to a charcoal fire so people can see his face. And they say, no, you are. You're with him, right? Little girl says that you're with him. And he says, I I don't even know the man. The third time he denies Jesus. And then what does he do? He goes and he runs away for fear that he too might suffer the same fate that Jesus suffered. Now, Jesus last week, as Peter was hiding in that room, came and gave him peace. He said, you are forgiven. Peace to you. There's nothing between us. You're forgiven, Peter. And in fact, you're so forgiven that you can take the forgiveness that I've gifted to you and give it to other people. So Peter's forgiven. What's happening here? You can imagine, after denying Jesus and then him showing up to you and forgiving you, you might still be carrying around a bit of guilt, right? If you're married, you know this happens in your marriage as well. You do something silly, stupid, ignorant, whatever word you want to put in there, rude, And you know it was rude, you know it was wrong, and then you go and you ask for forgiveness and your spouse forgives you and at the same time it just doesn't feel quite right, right? It takes a longer conversation than just I forgive you sometimes. It takes a little bit of time and space 
to let that forgiveness sink in. And Jesus here, just as Peter denied Christ three times next to that charcoal fire, he's now at, in the evening, right? At, at, at sundown. At, at the death of the day. Peter denied Jesus. And now here at the birth of a new day, at dawn, next to a charcoal fire, Jesus is going to repeat over and over and over to Peter. You're, you're forgiven. You're restored. You're loved. You have something else to do. Feed my sheep. Go and do this thing. Um, Peter's not wrong in what he's saying. Jesus does know. <laughs> Jesus does know that Peter loves him. He doesn't need to make a fancy argument that he loves him. He doesn't need to fall down on his knees and cry and beg. Jesus already knows. Peter's genuinely confused. Why are you making me repeat this? Like, what? Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus needed Peter to see you are brought back in fully forgiven and restored and now set free. You're not just set free from your sin. You're actually set free from this old occupation that's, look, I've got all the fish you need, Peter. And you can't catch any fish on your own anymore. <laughs> You've been set free from, the, from that. That's in the past now. You're actually set free with the message of forgiveness and new life to go forward from here. What's all this feeding of sheep? Well, we read in 1 Peter chapter 5 this. So I exhort, I encourage the elders among you, that's the pastors among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Uh, Peter here knows uh, what it is that he's being told to do. He is called to go out and be a shepherd of Christ's sheep. It's interesting though too, John takes us to a much darker place immediately. Um, there's a couple of meanings to this little thing that Jesus says where He says, um, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Um, that sounds like old age, Right? Sorry, no offense, everyone. It does sound like old age, but John adds in something here. But before he adds it in, you know what else that sounds like? It sounds like, hey, Peter, when you were younger and you were a fisherman, you could go and do whatever you needed to do to provide as far as fish were concerned. But now you've aged <laughs> and you're being led in a different direction. You've been dressed for something else. You're moving forward into something else. You've been set free to something else. And it's going to be me that's guiding you there. You're not making your own decisions anymore. And yet it also gets revealed as this. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. 
So John lets us know Peter's going to die, and this is the kind of death that he's going to suffer. Peter, in 2 Peter, writes this, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. That's everything that he's written in this letter, uh, specifically speaking to uh, holiness and um, the righteousness that we have in Christ. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since you know that the putting off of the body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Um, here we have Peter actually realizing too that Jesus has told him that he is going to die and that he is going to suffer death. So this is a wide-ranging text. It's a big text this morning. But what is it that you need to take away from this text this morning? You need to take away that Jesus forgives you. We saw that pictured most clearly last week. This week, we see that Jesus restores you. That when you uh, stray, when you wind up in unbelief or in doubt, um, Jesus comes to forgive you of that. He comes to do that through His Word. He comes to create in you a new heart. And He also restores you. He brings you back to Himself and He says, you've not lost footing with Me. You've not lost placement with Me. Specifically to Peter today, that was very important. He's essentially, even though John would say that he's Jesus' number one, he's saying to Peter, you're still my number one. You're still the one that I'm sending out to go and to take care of my sheep. And he sets Peter free in doing this. He sets him free from any old pain or guilt or shame. And he sets him free to this new thing that he's putting him into. Oftentimes, we like Peter on the night when Jesus was betrayed would say something like, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And then in the day to day, in the laziness of our mind or our hearts or our commitments or whatever, we do just that, right? And we lean on and trust in ourselves. But know that when that happens, Jesus comes to you to forgive you, to restore you, to set you free. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.